are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, praise the Lord. We're on the third of our series in the powerful Word of God. Do you believe that the Word of God is powerful? Yeah. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to talk today about the good report. The Word of God is a good report. Amen? Okay, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 to 6. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before us as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Now, this is talking about Jesus. This is Isaiah the prophet, talking about hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth as a little baby in Bethlehem's manger. Isaiah is speaking about him in prophecy. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Heavenly Father, Make this word real to our hearts today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For all those who uh, seek to get closer to God, the Bible is an inexhaustible treasure, a treasure trove of God's wisdom and revelation to us. It truly is a good report. The prophet Isaiah lamented the people's failure to believe the report. The foundational truth concerning God's word, the Bible, is this. In 1 Peter, or 2 Peter, rather, 1, 20 to 21, Peter says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is, is divinely inspired. The Word of God has been given to us by the Holy Spirit to men of old, men who loved the Lord, and it was written down, for our good. This is what Paul, in writing to Timothy, called, called inspiration. Inspiration means that the Holy Spirit of God superintended the human writers in production of the Scriptures so that they wrote what they wrote was precisely what God intended, what God wanted them to write. Now, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is our guideline, it is our manual for life. If we ignore this word, 
we are doing ourselves great harm. We need to uh, know the word from cover to cover. So in truth, the Bible do not only contain the words of God, the Bible is the word of God from cover to cover. Don't let anybody tell you that there's only parts of the Bible that is the word of God. Everything. God intended for every, everything that is there to be written. And we need to know that. We need to understand that. The Bible says all Scripture. When, when this was written, we didn't have the New Testament. This was included in the New Testament, but, but we, they didn't have the New Testament when, when, when Paul said this. This was just letters going out to the churches. But he says all Scripture. And basically, he was talking about the Old Testament then. He was referring to the Old Testament. That's the Scriptures. And now we have the New Testament, and, and we like the New Testament, and we go by the New Testament more than we do by the Old Testament. But the Old Testament, you know, it's, it's beautiful that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to go through the same things that those guys went through. You don't have to make the same mistakes that those guys did. It just shows you what happens when you do not listen to God. Over and over again, we're see, we see how people learn the hard way what it means to disobey God. But now we have the Word of God, and, and we can look back, and we can see all of these things that has happened, and, and it is for us. It is for our benefit so that we may be thoroughly equipped to reach other people for Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'll, just, I'll start at verse 13 here, and uh, it says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's happening all over the world. And you can pick up books, and you can pick up tapes, and you can listen to people on the radio and on the TV, and they'll warp your mind and your thinking so bad, you know, and, and, you, and you, you're left and you don't know what to believe. So-and-so says this. So-and-so says that. I read this in a good book. And, you know, this man, he's got a lot of letters under, over his name and under his name or whatever. And so, you know, like he must know what he's talking about. But how about we look into the Bible and see if those things are so? How about we check it out with God's Word? When, there's, when somebody says something, and, it, and, and, and you think, well, you know, like, I don't know about that. There's a check in your spirit. Look into the Word and see exactly what it said. You know, somebody can say something, and it can be well-meaning, but they could be really well wrong, too. But the Word of God is never wrong. And so you need to look to that. The Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and authoritative Word of God. There are no errors in the Bible, and there are no contradictions in the Bible. Anytime you hear somebody comes to you and they say, well, you know, there's lots of contradictions in the Bible, you can be sure that they don't know what they're talking about. Now, if you know the Word, if you've been into the Word, if you've read the Word, if you've studied the Word, that's an awesome opportunity for you to share God with them. Because they don't know. They've just, they're just repeating something that some ungodly person said at some, some place, time, and, and they just picked it up and thought, oh, well, this is great. And, and so they thought that they had an argument. But there are no errors and there are no contradictions. The Bible is God's report, and it's a good report. And so we need to believe it. Do you believe the report? Do you believe the Bible? There may now, listen, I've been, in, been serving the Lord now for a long, long time. In fact, 51 years, I guess. Right, Effie? Close? Close? You know? And uh, I, I know 
that God's word is true. And this report is true. I've seen so many things that God has done. I experienced so many things that God has done. You know? And so when you look into the word and you see what the word says, then you're, you're on good ground if you'll follow it. Amen? And so I want to look at some points this morning that are found in this good report. The first one I want to look at is salvation is in Jesus Christ only. Okay? Salvation is in Jesus only. God has only one plan for salvation. Repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's it. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent therefore and be converted. Now to repent means to turn away from your sin. It means to go in a, another direction, an opposite direction to where you were going. You are following the way of the world, and when you repent, you're going to the other way. You're going towards Christ. And he says, so repent and be converted. That is, when you're converted, you're changing your mind. You're changing your heart. You're changing your attitude. You become a new creature, a new creation in Christ. Everything becomes new. So repent and be, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We get a little glimpse of what that's like from time to time. These young people, they just blessed my heart this morning. That was good stuff. And that, I got a feeling we're going to be singing that song that song over and over and over again here because that, that was the scripture. That was the word of God that was being sung this morning. And so I just want to thank God for that. Amen. But salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. And Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby which we must be saved. There's no other name. The name of Jesus is above all names. Amen? Okay. There are some ways that people figure that they're going to get to heaven. Okay? And, and, or get, to, get salvation. And here it is. Listen to me now. People will say, I was baptized as a child. My parents had me baptized as a child, so I'm a Christian. No, you're not. Unless you've confessed your sins to Christ. Someone else can't do it for you. Nobody can, can, can get you saved. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Come into my heart. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I accept that as a full pardon for my sin. Amen? My parents are Christians, so that makes me a Christian. I'm a Christian. No, you're not. That don't make you a Christian. Have you asked Jesus into your life? Have you confessed your sin before him, that you're a sinner and that you need to be saved? That's what it takes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I'm Pentecostal. That don't make you saved. I go to Colate Community Church. That don't get you saved. Hopefully, he'll get you in the right direction. But if you don't listen to what I'm saying, if you don't listen to the Word of God and you go out the same way you came in, you're still not saved. You can come every week. Well, I give $1,000 a month to the church. Don't make you saved. You can't buy your salvation. It's free. Amen. The price has been paid. I'm Catholic. That don't make you saved. I'm, I'm, I'm Protestant. That don't make you saved. I go to church every Sunday. That don't make you saved. I pray every day. I get that one a lot. I pray every day. I'm not, a, I'm not a believer, but I pray every day. Don't deceive yourself. You've got to come to Christ. You've got to acknowledge before him that you're a sinner, and you've got to ask him to forgive your sins. Now, if you pray that prayer any day of the week, and you start living that, you, you repent. You start, stop doing the things that, that are wrong and start doing the things that are right. Then 
God hears you and God forgives you. Don't get me wrong. You don't have to come to church to get saved. You can get saved in your bedroom. You can lie on the flat of your back saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Forgive me. And he'll forgive you. But then you need to find a church. You need to get plugged in for the Lord because it's not about you. It's about him. Amen? If a person should look for some other way to the true God, the creator God, the God which every person will face on judgment day, you will search in vain. If you're searching in another way, in another direction, salvation is found in Jesus Christ only. Okay? And, and uh, Jesus describes such attempts uh, to find another way to God. Uh, and he, he was talking concerning the Pharisees and the, and the scribes, the Sadducees, and, and this is what he said. He said, let them alone. They are blind, leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. So if somebody is teaching you something wrong, that's no, that's no excuse. So-and-so told me this. My pastor said this. The evangelist said this. Well, regardless of what they said, whether it is truth or untruth, the Word of God is the standard. That's what I'm going to be judged by on Judgment Day. Okay? The Word of God. How did I handle the Word of God? So, the, so, so we, we are saved if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we shall be saved. Whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Have you believed God, the good, God's good report concerning salvation? If not, there's no better time than this morning. Amen? You don't, have, have, you don't need goosebumps. You don't have, have, a certain, have to have a certain emotional feeling. You just make a decision. The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, and he tells you there's something not right there. You need to make some changes in your life, and you say, yes, Lord, I agree with that. And you ask someone to, to pray and agree with you and help you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then you start going to church, start reading your Bible, start praying, and, and aff affiliate yourself with people that love the Lord just like you do. So the next thing is the Holy Spirit. Jesus began his church with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is very necessary in the land today, just as much as it was in the, in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, now this is what I'm talking about. This is the power that I want you to have, and until you get it, don't leave. Don't leave Jerusalem until you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then they went out everywhere, and they turned the, their then-known world upside down for the gospel, with the gospel of Jesus Christ under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost saw this promise fulfilled. Suddenly, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. They were, there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And if ever the church needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it is today. How do we think that we can do better than the, than the, uh, the New Testament church did without the Holy Spirit? We cannot. There's no way. We know that tongues was the initial evidence uh, that the Holy Spirit had filled each believer, but the Holy Spirit administers a bundle of spiritual gifts to empower spirit-filled believers to do the work of the ministry. 
And so it is very, it is like if I take a rowboat and I'm going to row across Coal Lake and I've got to be there at a certain time. How foolish for me to take a rowboat to try to, to row all that distance when I can get something with a 150 horsepower motor on it and I can just skim across the water and in a few minutes I'm over there. Amen? And so it is with the church. If we think that we can do everything with our own expertise, with our education and all of, all of the things and the things that we have studied, if we think that we can do the work of the ministry like that, rather than with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we're kidding ourselves. Where do you see people getting healed? Where do you see people uh, getting anointed uh, uh, with, with, with power from on high? Where do you see miracles taking place? It is in groups of people where they are anointed by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost, and doing that work for God. And, and I'm going to tell you, you might get something done for the Lord without it, but it's going to be hard slugging. And I don't like hard slugging. Anything that I can do that makes it easier, that's what I do. We got a, a small yard, and I've got a riding lawnmower that when we cut the lawn, I go right around the yard. I, I, I don't, just don't want to do things that is hard work. I want to do it as easy as I can possibly. And the Holy Spirit makes it easy. I'm going to tell you, I'd hate, I'd hate to have to stand here before you without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I would be dull and boring, and you would just be going asleep. We would be hearing these noises snoring in the congregation, drowning me out with snores. But all oh, praise God, when the anointing touches your heart, when the anointing gets upon you, you know that you know that you've touched, you've struck oil. Amen? I've been striking oil for a while now, and I'm still going to keep drilling. Amen? Because God loves to see his people set on fire. God wants us to be happy. God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy his salvation. Amen? And so that's what it's all about, folks. That's what it's all about. I, got to, I know that I'm going to be longer today, so uh, if I don't cut out some, so I'm going to cut some out right now. Okay, praise the Lord. So do you believe God's report concerning the importance and the present validity of the gifts of the Spirit? You better believe it because it is so important, and we don't want to be just marking time here at Colette Community Church. We want to flow with the Spirit of God. Amen? Hallelujah. And so uh, we believe also in the five-fold ministry uh, for the equipping of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the, of the body of Christ. And that the five-fold ministry, in case some of you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the apostles and the prophets and the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists. Everyone has a part to play in this work, in this last day's message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then another point is divine healing. Most people believe that God is able to heal, but he, is he willing to heal me? When we want to know God's will, we go to the Word. It is nice to have somebody to come alongside and encourage us. But if they tell me, and I don't know what the Word says, I'll have most of what they said forgotten before they're gone out of my presence. But David said, your Word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you know it's a sin to not to believe? The sin of unbelief? And so, David hid the word of God in his heart. We need to hide that word in our heart as well. So when you want to know God's will, go to the word of God. God's word is his will. The Bible tells us that healing is the will of God. This is a fact that will never change. Heaven and earth may pass away, he said, but my word will never pass away. Thy word, for, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven, Psalm 
1989. This will never change. It's forever settled in heaven. We know that God dealt with our sin problem by sending his son, Jesus, to be a sacrifice and a substitute for us. Amen? Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. To his own self, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2, 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Now, both of these scriptures also state that God dealt with sickness and disease for us in the same act of redemption. He not only saved our soul, he not only paid the price for everyone to be saved, but he also paid the price for everyone to be healed. Amen? Isaiah declared that God's will concerning healing in these scriptures. 1 Peter 2.24 says, By whose stripes you were healed. And Isaiah says, The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So healing belongs to us just as salvation belongs to us. Okay? Psalms confirms that healing is one of the benefits of redemption. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. That's one of the benefits. Salvation. Forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Amen? That's what the Lord has done for us. That's what Calvary means to you and I. All means all. Every sickness, every disease, every sin, every pain. Amen? Praise the Lord. Do you believe God's report concerning divine healing? God has not changed. He's still the God who heals. But you say, Pastor, what about those who are not healed? What about that? I want to be careful to stay within the Scripture principles today. So uh, not everyone received healing during Jesus' ministry. We know that. There were times when everyone in attendance received healing, and there were times when very few received anything. What made the difference? The difference mentioned again and again in the Gospels is the person's faith. If they had faith, they received, and if they did not have faith, they did not receive. The one time the Bible mentions why people did not receive healing in Matthew uh, chapter 13, verse 58, and Mark chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. The sole reason given was unbelief. Jesus does not mention the will of God or anything else. When someone does, re does receive, we hear Jesus commending their faith, saying, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But his salvation is reserved for those who believe. Listen to me now. Salvation is reserved for those who believe. He died for the whole world. But whoever believes in him shall be saved. Okay? Stay, pay attention now because I'm going somewhere. But his salvation is reserved for those who believe. Faith is required for salvation and all things associated with it. Healing is associated with salvation. The Bible says that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. But all are not saved. You understand? There are hundreds of thousands of people that go into eternity every day not knowing Jesus Christ. Yet he died for them, but they haven't received him. The Bible says 
that faith comes from hearing the word of God. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Isn't that right? Am I saying something wrong? The Bible says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Receiving healing is God's will for everyone. Jesus never turned anyone away. He never once stated that it was not God's will for a person to be healed. Acts 10.38 says, You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Hebrews 9.27 Until our appointed physical death. We've got an appointment. It is appointed unto men once to die. Okay? So I've got an appointment with death. Unless the rapture takes place, I'm going to die. Unless the rapture takes place before I die, I'm going to die. Okay? We're all, we all have that appointment. And after that, the judgment. But God's will is that we all be healed. Very few people know the day or the hour of their death. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us that the unknown, the things that we don't know, the things that we don't understand, that we have to leave that with God. I'll read it for you just in case. That's not in your notes, but Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. Okay? The Lord has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us. Isn't that great? There's a whole lot of things that I don't know, I don't understand. There's a lot of things in the Word of God that I don't understand. But I'm accountable for what I do know. I'm accountable for what has been revealed in His Word. And that's where the blessings come. When you obey what you see and what you know in His Word. But few will actually look into the Word until they are faced with a crisis so few can find faith to be healed. It's important that we know what the Word of God says. It was like this when Jesus was on earth, and it's the same today. If Jesus could not get everybody healed, then why are we surprised when someone don't get healed? And you know, it is not to lay a, a, a blame or a heavy on anyone. There are things, folks, that we do not understand. But I will trust the Word of God and I will stand upon the Word of God and believe for healing until the day that I die, even if I don't receive it. Because God's ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And then the power of prayer is another one. The Bible overflows with God's repeated promises to hear and to answer our prayers. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition 
that we have asked. To pray according to God's will means to pray in a way that is consistent with the principles of his word. A righteous person's prayers will be answered, the Bible says. James 5.16, the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Jesus gives us some awesome instruction in prayer, and I believe it. John 14, verses 13 and 14. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, to ask in the name of Jesus is praying in accordance to his word. The young man that pre from Florida out at the tent meetings on, on the reserve. Uh, he spoke something at, at those meetings that confirmed what I have been teaching and preaching for years. It's more than ending our prayer with the words, in the name of Jesus. And too often we use that name so lightly. It's a tack on. But what do it really mean to pray in the name of Jesus, to ask in the name of Jesus? It's praying in faith, believing in and speaking forth the powerful word of God. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, anything that is spoken in the word, Anything that is written in the Word, that's what it's talking about. If we say what God has said concerning our request, we can say what God has said. If we say what God has said, you can't go wrong. By His stripes, I was healed. And if you can get that down into your spirit, He hears the Bible says, and he will answer. We know that we have the petition that we ask of him. Now, the last night I was out there, they anointed handkerchiefs and, and, and strips of cloth and, and anointed everybody and, and gave everyone a, an anointed uh, handkerchief. And you know something? See, I believe God. I believe God's word. When I see an opportunity for that, I've been troubled with a hip. Last year, I was back in Newfoundland, and I had to use a cane to get around. The Lord touched it, and I, for the longest while, I was doing real good. And then it started coming on again, maybe because the old devil knows I'm going back to Newfoundland, and he don't want me to, to go in the country. But I took this, I, I got prayed for, and I took this anointed handkerchief. I've been doing it in my hip pocket, right where that hurt. And you know something? I've been feeling so much better. I didn't have a pain. I went to bed that night. I, I didn't have a pain. I could sleep on both sides. No pain whatsoever. And I'm doing real good. I, in fact, I, I, I almost was tempted to start dancing with Samuel when he started dancing. But you know something? I believe the Word. That's a biblical thing. They did that in the Bible. Amen? And so, if it worked in Bible times, it works now. I know my dad. My dad, he, he, had a, he was a logger, and, and he had, that's the only way he could make his living. And he had a, a, a terrible problem with his hip. And uh, he went to the doctors, and they couldn't do nothing for him. And, and they were just, I don't know well, all those things he told them, but I remember he went across the room one Sunday morning before we went to church. Oral Roberts was on. And he went and laid his hand on the, on, the, on the radio. We didn't have a TV at that time. He laid his hand on the radio as Oral Roberts was praying. And he was healed. The next week, he went back into the logging camps. And he was there for three months. Came home perfectly sound. Amen. 
That's the things that God does. I've seen so many things that God has done. I believe in healing. Amen? Mark chapter 4, 11, uh, 24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It's believing. It's having that, that bulldog-like faith and saying, I will not let go. I get a hold of that bone. I'm not letting it go. And that's what you got to just lock your jaws onto and say, I'm going to have this because it is mine. Mark chapter 11, 23. For assuredly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says shall be done, he will have whatever he says. Amen? But it's got to be the Word. It's got to be according to the Word. It's not any old crazy thing that you can dream up. It is something that is spoken in the Word. It specifically says there that I can have this, and then I, if I can say it, what God says, I can believe what God believes. I will have what God says I can have. Amen? How can I know God's will? God's will is best understood through a combination of different sources. Your Bible, number one. Your Bible, look into your Bible. Prayer, seeking God in prayer. As you speak to God in prayer, and you may have read a lot of things in, your, in the Bible, but as you speak to God in prayer, the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and reveals things and shows you where to go, where to find it in the Scriptures, what you need. Godly, mature uh, uh, people in the faith, faith counselors, people who believe God's word just like you do. The peace of God, and and uh, and you know the peace of God uh, don't cause you any confusion. Sometimes you may be uncertain about something, but if you get that peace of God, the Bible calls it the peace of God that passes all understanding. When you have that, then you know you're on the right track. No confusion. Everything must line up with the Word of God. He will not oppose himself. Okay? He will not oppose himself. So you make sure you know what the Word of God says concerning your situation. Doesn't matter what it is. Your finances, relationships, health, whatever it may be. God is able to do it, but this is the way that you go about it. You you find out what the Word of God says, and then you speak it. So what about unanswered prayer? First, we must understand that no is an answer. We don't like that one. No, Lord, try something else. But God is not afraid to say no. Just like a little, your little child says Mommy, I want to go across the street, play with my friends. Mommy says, no, don't you cross that street. You've got to have an adult with you to cross the street. You're too small. That no is for that little child's good. Because mommy knows that that child could get injured. Some crazy driver who thinks he owns the world with lead in his feet and come down the street and wipe that little child out in a minute, in a second. And God knows some things that we ask for is not good for us, and he will say no. We have no biblical promise that his answers will be instantaneous. We've got this microwave attitude today, don't we? We come around the altar for something, and Lord, hurry up, because i got to be out of here in five minutes. Blessing or no blessing. If an answer is delayed, don't doubt. James 1, 6 and 7 says, But let him ask in faith, no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Because you see, everything that is talked about here is based upon the Word of God. And if you're doubting, you're doubting the Word of God. 
you're unbelieving. God is true to his promise. If I am not receiving, I need to evaluate my faith walk. Make any adjustments that needs to be made on my part. I need to get back to the word and see where I've gone wrong. Jesus said, if you abide in me and, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. And it shall be done according to his word, his will. Well, I'm going to close right here now. So in conclusion, that's my signal for, for the worship team. In conclusion, remember this one thing. His ways are far above ours. He says in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, says the Lord. Remember, God is sovereign. God knows what he's doing. And I don't need to make any excuses for God. I'm just an instrument in God's hands. And all the people that I have here this morning that are going to come and line the altar now and be ready to pray with anyone who wants prayer. They're instruments in God's hands. They believe the Word of God just like I do. They believe there's power in the Word. Amen? Praise the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you need something from the Lord. If you do, then I would encourage you to come and we'll pray with you this morning. Don't give me any, don't give me any jollies whether you come or whether you don't, okay? But I'm just saying to you that I want you to know that there's a God in heaven who cares about you. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about your affairs, and he wants to do something for you. And there's no, no need to put it off. We really need to be serious with God and say, Lord, this is a problem in my life. And whatever it is, God is able to, to meet that need. We have looked at a few major issues of God's biblical report. It's a good report. The unbelieving world is, has a different report. It's a report of hopelessness. But God's Word is a report of hope. I just have a, a few things that I just want to share with you before, before we come. The bad report and the good report. The evil report and the good report. The evil report says it's impossible. God's report says all things are possible. The evil report says I'm too tired. God's report says I'll give you strength. I'll give you rest. The evil report says nobody loves you. The good report says God loved you so much that he gave his only son to die for you. The evil report says you can't go on. God's report says my grace is sufficient for you. The evil report says you don't know where to go. God says I will direct you. You says, you can't do it. God's report says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You say it's not worth it. The Bible says it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. You say you can't forgive. God has said, I have forgiven you. And you give forgive others like I have forgiven you. Someone may have hurt you real bad, but God wants you to forgive them. 
so that he can minister into your life? You say, I can't manage, and God says, I will supply all your needs. You say, I'm afraid. God says he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, so you know where that comes from. He's given you love and power and a sound mind. You say, I'm worried. God says, cast all your care on me because I care for you. You say, I'm not smart enough. God gives us wisdom. James 1, 5 and 6 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He will give it to you. You're all alone. God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Whose report are you going to believe? What more can we say today? If you're living in a hopeless situation, if it just seems that there's no way out, the Word of God has spoken clearly today. It's for you. It's for you. You may be in a very difficult situation. God wants to be your healer today. He wants to be your deliverer today. He wants to replace hopelessness with hope. And as the worship team leads us, we're going to do some business around the altar. Why don't you come? If you're feeling like you should, then I think you should. Amen? If you feel like you should do something about your situation today, then I believe you should. God is here. Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here. God don't want us to be struggling. He wants us to enter in to all that he has for us. The next move is yours, folks. Jesus is already here, waiting to meet you there. Amen? We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.